Charlotte Soccer Show. Welcome in. It's Danny Brams with no John Hayes on a wonderful Monday night here in the Queen City after a huge Charlotte win over Nashville. It was uh, quite a night at the keep and everything was amazing. Charlotte could almost do no wrong, although we did surrender one goal. And I'm here to talk about it with a very special guest who's filling in for John. Sort of a, a guest, but also going to need you to be a slight co-host here, but lean back on some of your uh, uh, career experience. Will Palachik of WFNZ, the voice of Charlotte FC on the radio. I'm extremely honored that you uh, cared enough to help me out here and come be part of our show tonight. Thank you, Will, for joining us. Uh, you lured me with beer, Danny, so that, that, was the big, that was the big selling point. But no, I always love opportunities to talk soccer with anybody who loves the crown. We love the crown here. I think all our TIFOs, tremendous friends of the show, love the crown. Your co-host is a... She said she identifies as a TFOS, so we're very proud of that. Uh, hopefully you will make that leap someday soon, but we don't want you to do it before it's before you're ready. Uh, I know you got some other big things coming up in your life with, uh, with marriage and whatnot uh, in your future, so we'll leave it there as far as commitments. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming in, Will. We're drinking beer. We're at Craft Beer Tap Room and Growlers in South End. It's a lovely place. You live very close by. You live in walking distance, I, you said. I, within walking distance. Uh, I know we, we had tried to go to another establishment <laughs> that was closed, but I ended up here, and uh, I'd never been here before. This is actually rather nice. I uh, I almost feel bad that I, I'm moving away to, <laughs> to Rock Hill here in a couple of weeks, because this would have been a nice place to come frequent. Within walking distance and lots of great craft beers. Well, there's good things going on in Rock Hill. Southbound and Crown is obviously down there representing, and uh, they definitely I'm sure are. you'll find some some places. Uh, they, they've but, already briefed me. Don't worry. Yeah, oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, that's a really good crew. That's one of our on my supporters group power rankings. They always come in very high for sure. Yeah, this place is awesome, and we're it's flight night. It's Monday night flight night. What could be better? 8:50 flight. So of course I had to dip in. I'm drinking a flight. I got five different beers in front of me. What are you drinking, Will? So I'm uh, I'm using an ode to my uh, time in my old state of Missouri, uh, a Boulevard Tank Seven from Boulevard Brewing in Kansas City. It's a farmhouse ale, and uh, it's really really smooth drinking. It's uh, a little bit higher gravity than uh, than your typical ale would be, but about 7.5% alcohol by volume. So really really good stuff. Oh man, I love your style. High high gravity is, is sure. what we're here for for sure. sure. Uh, high, high gravity. Beer is probably a good slogan for this show, that, you know, at least a talking point. So definitely, I got brews from uh, Southern Strain. I got the Hop Helix. I got a Birdsong brew. I got something called the Wings of the Sun IPA. So I'm drinking all kinds of different things. I'm loving life here at Craft. It's it's a loud night. Vibrant things are happening. There's a birthday party going on in the corner, and we're talking about a huge Charlotte FC win. You called it, Will. Tell me your first reactions about a 4-1 win over Nashville. It was hilarious, honestly, and I do feel like. That was kind of the one game that, and Chris Lantanzo said it after the contest, it was probably the most complete result for Charlotte FC. And not as a result of that, too. It just it just felt more fun than any of the games it felt. Not that any previous wins didn't feel fun, but the fact that we got those insurance goals in such a flurry like we did. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like that was the most impressive defensive performance we saw from the crown from start to finish. You mentioned the goal that was pulled back because of the penalty to Harrison Offal. I do feel like, after looking back at it, Harrison put the referee in a position to where he needed to make a call one way or the other and put them in a difficult position there. But I don't, 
completely faulted for that because he was trying to make a play on the ball. He just caught a little bit too much of Hani Mukhtar at the end. I think it was one of their best defensive performances in the world. You saw Christian Fuchs get MLS Team of the Week as a result of the mm-hmm. way they played on defense. Kalina made a couple of big, big saves in the final 20 minutes of open play. Mm-hmm. And you saw some guys get some real great statement moments, including Carol Svidersky with the amazing header. Sergio Ruiz with his first MLS goal as the first ever signing. Mm. And Andre Shinyashiki continues to play like a man possessed, man. He is... He, he is in another world right now, and I think he just felt like after Svidersky pulled ahead on the goal lead that uh, he had to get one as well. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And you're, you're going through that whole list, uh, uh, that checklist of just greatness from Saturday. I'm just thinking, yep, 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 yep. Like, it's awesome. Like and That's only like scratching the surface of all the things that happen in that contest. Right, those are, those are just the headlines. Those are just the headlines. We could go in-depth about just the great defensive performance locking down Mukhtar. He did earn that pen, but... And this guy is one of the most dangerous men in MLS, and, and our guys had him in their back pocket. That was a great thing. That was a great talking point. And, and they had him, you know, he, he got his moments. I'm not going to say he didn't have his moments. He had the one shot uh, off of, of deflection, off of the one set piece that went off the crossbar. So it wasn't as if there weren't moments where he was able to show his medal, but for the most part, they had him locked down. And I think that's a testament to the way that they worked down. And uh, Chris Latanzio, Andy Quia, they have to really look at that and say that they at least proved something from the standpoint of locking down that guy who's one of the toughest to do mm-hmm. so with in, in MLS. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's very dangerous. I've, I've watched enough Nashville to know that he's pretty much their only major threat. Like you said, it was a great defensive performance. Just called him a one-man team. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that I wasn't th- that, that wasn't incorrect when you think about the way that they were trying to build it up. And, and even times he was having to come back in the uh, in, in their own end to try and help build up mm-hmm. the play uh, with his technical skill. He takes all the corners, takes all the set pieces, and I think that um, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, we see this a lot with Atlanta and Joseph Martinez. You see it with LA Galaxy and Chicharito. When you're so single-sided, it can be a blessing and a curse in this league. And it really is imperative upon that person where, you know, as they go, the team goes. Mm -hmm. And one other thing that Latanzio said this weekend that I feel is very, very prescient is that the fact that we had four different goal scorers and four different assist men this weekend really counteracts or, or at least envelops the, the richness of mm-hmm. the team and that you're able to get threats from multiple areas of the pitch. It's not just relying on Svidersky to ping a ball or ping a header. Mm-hmm. It's not just reliant on Jordi Reyna's outside crosses, which he had a couple of very big ones in that mm-hmm. contest. But, uh, you know, you can get Ben Bender loose on the flank and get Sergio Ruiz on a back-end run. You can get Andre Shinyashiki creating a world out of nothing in the arc. I mean, it's right. it's it's so much more multifaceted that I even thought we could have realized even in earlier parts of this season based on the way that this team has a lot more freedom going forward. How many more times is that cutback going to work for Andre? Because it's be- he's using it a lot. It's beautiful. It, it paid off in spades the, uh, this past weekend. Like I'm just worried teams are going to start looking out for it because he always does that that sort of fake shot cutback, and it's so nice. He's one of the best in the league I've seen this year. Well, the, 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 I think the reason why it works, Danny, is because of the time in the game and the situation that he's mm-hmm. doing it in. He's, he's doing it against tired center backs at the end of games, and he's doing it in situations where Charlotte FC is already ahead. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he tries to pull that move with the ability of, you know, that he has. He's not trying to pull that off in a tie game. He, he's probably looking for teammates more, and I, and I also think, too, like, 
he has been afforded the ability by Latanzio when you know he's coming in late in games, and he even spoke to this uh, when we talked to him a week and a half ago. I asked him point blank, I was like, you know, you got dropped in the lineup and you're one of the team's best scorers, you know, what gives? And he says, look, sometimes playing as a def- playing as a sub against tired defenders puts you in better positions, and all he really cares about is being close to the goal. And he's that's the one thing that he said very pointedly he wanted out of Colorado because he wasn't playing close to the goal. Mm-hmm. And I find that utterly fascinating because you know this from covering football and basketball, baseball. A, a player in one of those sports says something like that, I want out. That leads ESPN first take. That leads all the, the highlight shows. That's a front-page article on ESPN.com. But mm-hmm. in soccer, it's a lot more commonplace for players to speak their mind in a way. And mm-hmm. he was very, very candid about the fact that I felt like I was misused when I was in Colorado. And so as a result, I came to a place and wanted to come to a place. He chose Charlotte as his trade option. And as a result, he's done nothing but great things since he's come to, to the crown. Yeah, he's my... he's. He's easily my favorite of the attacking group when I think about favorite players on the team. He has a case for favorite player, although it's a, it's competitive. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love Shinya. I think it's great. I want There's so much to digest from what you just said. I want to take it all in. I want to ask you about the substitutes in the starting 11 in a second. I think it also just speaks to how smart Shinya Shiki is if we stay on him for a minute first because what you say about him his decision making of like knowing what he can do against tired center backs and how he can you know get away with fakes a lot easier and things like that and then also his mentality of just all he cares about is being close to goal not necessarily where he is in the starter versus sub discussion so that's pretty awesome that's why we bring you on this show is for that kind of insight you've actually talked to Andre we haven't John and I we love to talk a lot of shit on this show but we haven't actually got talked to players like you have so that that feels amazing to hear so just you just waxed poetic about Shinya, but if you could do it again, just what <laughs> what do you see for him going forward in terms of how what he can bring to this team? Will he be back in the starting eleven, or is he in this sub role for the long term? I, I think it's he'd be hard pressed if you're Christian Latanzio to go to a different lineup after the two games that they've had, first back to back wins since the New England Cincinnati double that they had at home. Uh, I, I and I understand that I'd have to make a change if if Carujo's uh, not back for them for the for the weekend against Inter-Miami. So when I saw him jump, the jump I saw him take at the end yes. of the game when the team ran to, to the supporters tells me he should be, uh, be, be a candidate we'll to the see. end, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. You know, they, 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 Maybe they, that was said, he, they said yeah. he wasn't 100%, which, again, I think it was one of those things where it might have been more precautionary than anything. Mm-hmm. And they want to be, be careful with hamstrings. And, again, we don't know for sure. We'll find out when uh, when they're at training tomorrow and Wednesday. But I do feel like for, for Shin Yashiki, there are so many options right now for them. And the thing that Jordi Reyna has that I don't think Andre necessarily has as much in his, in his toolbox is he's got variety in crosses. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why he got the nod over Andre in this latest spell of play. Because one of the things that Carol Svidersky, to, to take some of the blame and brunt off of him, is he has not gotten the best service I agree. over the balance 100% of the agree, season. Yeah. And, and I've been critical of Carol, but I 100% agree with that point. And... Gordy has given him some of the best service of the last two weeks. He he had that one cross that was very similar to the one he scored against uh, in against Houston. Very similar shot, very similar opportunity with a header. He just missed it wide. And so I think it's it's great to have that relationship building between them. And I think it's also building with, with Josviak as well. And I think Camille is still kind of getting himself his feet mm-hmm. wet at this level. I think 
he's being allowed to play a lot more 1v1 than he was under Miguel Angel Ramirez. I'm not saying that because I, I've heard him say it concretely. I just can see with my eyes. Of course, yeah, he's, I agree. He's allowed to do a lot more. And so I feel like, I said it this morning on the, on the radio when I was talking to Nick Wilson, there was a lot of freedom given, I think, when Christian Latanzio came over, but it was unharnessed freedom. And now that they've gotten used to the freedom, Christian Latanzio's kind of reeled it in a little bit, but not in a bad way. He's, he's trying to harness the best parts of that freedom, both on the flanks and both with the attacking midfielders. That's why you saw Sergio Ruiz and Quinn McNeil play the roles that they've played over the last two weeks. Because Sergio, we have not seen this version of him at all this year. He's a lot more nasty in confrontation. He plays incredible defense without sacrificing his ability to go forward. Mm -hmm. And you're getting a lot of the same things out of Quinn McNeil that you're getting out of, uh, that you got out of Ben Bender early on in the season. Ben, I just felt like, wasn't standing up to the testimony of the physical nature of play in MLS, and, and that was getting to him. So Quinn offers you a, different, a bit of a different look, mm -hmm. and I think it helped Bender because you saw him play this weekend. He looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Mm -hmm. So that's a long way of answering a question about Shinichiki by talking about other people. But I think the reasons why those other players are in place offers you the ability to bring Shinichiki in off the bench. And I also feel like because Shinichiki's got the ability to play both winger and striker, he can offer you an ability to change the shape if you need to off the bench. And it's that versatility that I feel like has made him somebody who I feel like, while starting him, I think is something he wants it's probably a better role for the team if he's getting that opportunity to play the last 30 minutes in whatever mm -hmm. role Latanzio wants him to, given the game situation. Yeah, if it's the last 30, I, I don't mind it. If it's the last 18, I think that is underutilizing him personally. We're not done talking about Andre, and we're not done talking about Camille, but let's spin it actually forward on something else you just said for now, which is Ruiz and Bronico and uh, McNeil as the midfield. I think they've, that's, they've done the perfect thing, which you said, which you highlighted is they've established balance in terms of they can all play box to box so much better than some of the other midfield guys that have been in there in terms of Ortiz, Alcivar, even go back to Franco. Those guys all have their traits and their qualities, but they don't really have the full box to box ability that I feel that Ruiz and McNeil have both shown in their time since they've entered the starting lineup. Bronico's undroppable, obviously. We we could do a whole side episode about him, but uh, uh, Ruiz. That's, that's like, my guy, yeah, by the way. Yeah, you, of you course. Yeah, yeah. The mayor. Yeah, you, you, right? can't, you cannot say anything bad about Brad Bronico in my presence. He is, no, no. He's the mascot of the park for he's sure. A, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he's he grindset. You know, grindset all day for sure. Oh, yeah. we, we love Bronny on this show. Bron the bro. If uh, he actually ran like an Instagram contest that John's wife won. So oh wow. John and his wife have like a signed Bronico uh, framed jersey that's, in their house now. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. We're, we're he and I are in sort of like a race to. Uh, you know, have the the coolest like uh, team gear memorabilia. Nice, you know nice. that we've collected. Uh, on that note, I actually should say that one of our tremendous friends of the show, Alex Ventura, hooked me up with a sweet, sweet uh, Jordi Alcifar rookie card, like oh, a Topps very, card, very like nice. in mint condition, really nicely kept. Thank you, Alex. He hooked me up uh, in the supporters bar at halftime, uh, or actually, I think it was a pregame, but uh, I was I was drunk, so. That's fine. But but uh, getting back to the topic at hand, Ruiz. Going forward and back, I think that's where he's so much better than the other guys that have been in, and he's finally getting his chance to shine. I, I, I love what I'm seeing from him. What about you? So, I'll answer this question by answering the the way that they built this squad. It's 
they saw Alan Franco as kind of like the Winston Wolf, the cleaner, <laughs> yeah. the guy who makes right. problems go away. Yeah. That's all you had to say. And that was supposed to be his role. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Yeah. Sergio Ruiz, Brad Ronico, and Quinn McNeil have taken that baton mm-hmm. and have all done that role in various ways. And I also feel like the one thing that we see with Ruiz and McNeil, it's freed Bronico up to make a lot of things go more forward. Right. Like he's see, he's taking shots now, Brant. We, we you know, I felt a little weird about seeing Brant go far forward. I'm like, Brant, you're not gonna get a nosebleed over there. Like <laughs> but I know I know you want your goal, but like let's yeah, you know it's let's relax here. But the great thing is is that Sergio is not afraid to play a little bit of a little bit defensive. McNeil does not sacrifice defensively either. It's just a matter of how each of those three play, like you said, box to box. And I also feel like if it's the same two guys going forward every time, that's going to tire Ruiz and McNeil out. The fact that Sir, that Sergio Ruiz in the 89th minute is making the run that he did towards goal is a testament to the fact that all three guys took their turns going forward yeah. throughout the course of this right. contest. They weren't having to all play 100% box-to-box every time. There were times right. where they were playing defensively in support and playing tandem block coverage and not exactly uh, having to, to have centralized roles where all they do is occupy one set of the pitch. It's been a lot more fluid. It's been literally the beautiful game, and Surio is a big part of that. It's uh, like a, a flock of birds right. flying south for the winter, migrating where one takes the turn of the front and then the other one rotates to the front. They, you know, exactly. They all save each other's energy. And, and, and Jess made a very... Uh, very apt point in the Houston game where we saw nasty Sergio for the first time and I think that very much the same level of other players who we've talked to you know it's it's very hard when you see the intensity of this league and I even asked Sergio he, he was our guest on Crown Corner last week and we asked him kind of you know what was the biggest struggle point and it's a chorus that many people say it's the time the time on the ball that you're used to having in Europe, in South America, wherever else you've played in, in, in the world, you don't have that time in MLS. And as a result, trying to figure out how that internal clock works, mm-hmm. it really gets you in a situation where once you get that down, you're able to more aptly adjust yourself adjust to your defense, and also rely more on your teammates. And I think that's one thing that those three guys are doing in spades. I would say louder for the people in the back, Sergio. You know, like MLS, I don't, I'm never going to come out here and try to tell you that MLS is the best league in the world, but it's such a fun league because it's so competitive and there's a degree of parity and the physicality that you, you, he said that he mentioned, and he's finally sort of getting the instinctual feel for now after a few months in the game, is such a great thing about Sergio. I absolutely love it. People, I will just put this out there. If you're not making an appointment uh, streaming of Crown Corner with Will and Jess and their weekly guests, you're making a huge mistake. Thank you. Fix Thank that you. right away, please. We'll, we'll get you with the follow infos and uh, accounts to follow later at the end of the show. But... For sure, Crown Corner is. A, if you're a Charlotte FC fan, that's an absolute must. You guys are doing a great job. We're gonna try to get Quinn McNeil on this week too. Yeah. So. Well, what, what you mentioned about him being more physical than Bender, you know, no slight to Bender, just Quinn's just a little bit of a thicker dude. You know, yeah. he just like he's just get a little more. As much as I love Bender, and everyone loves Ben Bender uh, in the fan base and at, at the keep for sure. 
But uh, Quinn is just a little bit more physical in that early stage of the game. And then you get Bender coming in running against tired legs. Right. And his runs all of a sudden. Because I've seen this guy. I watch Ben Bender. My thing, favorite thing about him, everything he does. Least favorite thing is the way he loses possession. Favorite right. thing is the way that he goes on runs. And so many times his runs, I felt, have been unrewarded by teammates. And now, with him in this sort of super sub role that John Hayes was, had been calling for for many weeks before it actually sort of developed... Those runs are bearing so much more fruit. And, and I, I feel bad because it's very easy if you're a guy like Ben to feel hard done by getting dropped out of the 11. And and, and I think the last thing you want is a player to, to take that and, and, and basically sulk about it and not not take it the right way. And we, one thing we were worried about, too, with Ben earlier in the season is when he came in as a sub – it was hard for him to get up to the, the speed of the play, especially against DC United. You, you saw that, you saw that in a couple of other games early on in the season that he didn't start. So, I think that was the one thing that when you drop him, I was worried about seeing. And but the other problem was that in the last couple of games he started, you know, the Seattle game was probably his last best starting game because he he scored the goal off a set piece, a little dink in there in front of the net, and, and he was really physical in that contest. But but since then. I just never really felt him or felt his presence mm-hmm. in the game, right. uh, whether it's right. you know not getting on the ball or, or not winning possession convincingly mm-hmm. enough. And like you said, you know McNeil's built different, and that's not a slight to Ben. It's just something right. that will be a part of his off season, and I'm sure his next mm-hmm. couple of years to come. But mm-hmm. the thing about McNeil is that he brings that physicality. He's not as what I would call offensively gifted as Bender is, but I don't think you're asking him to be. You're asking him mm-hmm. to. To be that grinder, very much to the level that Bronico is and Ruiz is, and right. win possession back. Maybe McNeil can be offensively inclined. I think if you if you had a Quinn McNeil Ben Bender love child, they'd be a Superman. <laughs> right, right, like right. If you took Ben's right. offensive prowess and Quinn's ability to grind, you'd have probably an attacking midfielder that could go for ten million dollars in in Europe. Like that's that's the kind of I think combo that they brought and I feel like the fact that they're playing the same position right now is a testament to how well they both are at those individual characteristics. Imagine the next two to three years window of those two guys in training against each other, competing for the same spot, rubbing off on each other, parts of Bender's game absorbing to McNeil, parts of McNeil's game absorbing to Bender, like it's just so awesome to have two young talents like that sure. that can make each other so much better for the glory of this club. And it's the future of this this side, really, because you know you guys you have their control for a while, and, and I do feel like it's something like you said that the, it's iron sharpens iron. In yeah. That way, and, Thank and, you for saying that. And, and, and that's that's a, what I meant to say. And, yeah, that, yeah. and that's something I feel like those two. Like I, I love Ben Bender. I mean Ben Ben is somebody who I feel like has really become, I mean, it, it, we say it in our FNZ promo all the time, Ben Bender's stolen your heart. Yeah. And he's somebody who I feel like continues to do that, and I don't, I don't mean to say anything bad about him, it's just I feel like no. the, the change was made by Latanzio for the betterment of the side, and I can't be complimentary enough of the way he looked on, on Saturday night. He was a different man than we'd seen in the last couple of weeks, and I'd really love to see that, that step forward for him. Well, he got up to speed quicker. Yes. He, and now he's adjusted to the sub role, like you Very said. Very much so. We call him the mind-bender on this show. He's the mind-bender because he can do so many things. He can, like, blow your mind in a positive or negative way. So he kind of, like, that's why I like that nickname for him. But I think it's time to talk about the man himself, King Carroll. We've gone this far, 20 minutes into the show, roughly, and we haven't talked about one of the most epic moments in Charlotte FC history that I've ever seen, which was 
Carol Skwiderski scoring a sick header on the cross from Jordi Reyna and just absolutely took me over the moon with his celebration. I never would have expected that from Carol. This is a guy that I know he knows that I know that he knows he needs to score more goals <laughs> situation, but he finally scored one and I didn't know what the, the sort of the reaction was going to be. But for what he did to like leap, you know, instantly, it wasn't even something that he like had to think about. It was instinctual. The way he leapt over the stanchion, climbed up the stairs, gave himself a spontaneous coronation right then and there, you know, punched the smoke machine, broke the chair, all his teammates mobbed and crowded around him, fans are going nuts. Uh, we've seen some really good stuff at Bank of America Stadium already so far. That might have been the greatest thing that I've seen. It's definitely the best moment we've seen at the bank this season. Even going back to his first goal, which I think was also just a, an absolute worldie. But but this one rings different. I can tell you right now, I, I lost it on the goal call. We hadn't seen anybody ever do that. Like It, it was... It was soccer's answer to the Lambeau leap. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and so exactly. I don't th- yep. I, I'm surprised that we hadn't really seen anybody. I think we've seen players do that after the game, obviously. Do you think they like talk about it in practice? Like, oh, if I score, I'm going up there. If I score, I'm going up there. I think or was it just purely I, I think spontaneous? It was, I think it was very spontaneous. I think so, too. I think it was right for him to do it because mm-hmm. I think it was kind of been his way of saying, hey, showing the fans, being like, hey, I can do this. I can yeah. be a part of this. And... and I've seen the criticism. I've seen, you know, the different Facebook groups and Twitter and everybody. We, we, we get all these comments about Carroll. Do you need to be better and whatnot? And he did. He had to be. But I also feel like the international break hit him in a very rough time mm-hmm. and threw off his rhythm a lot. Yeah. And that's not a, a slight to him at all. He went to Poland. He got a goal. Didn't play in a lot of games. And no, I feel no, like no. It, it, it really threw his rhythm off. And... The coaching change happened right in the middle of that, too. So you you can't even imagine the different things that are going on in this guy's head. And a lot of uh, what happens in a goal drought is mental. And we saw him pressing a lot in games of recent memory. And so as a result... And that comes from not getting service, like you said. Because I say he quieted the doubters, and I was one of those doubters. I'll admit it. I'll, I'll come clean. I'm not... I'm not here to like. Right. But I also told. I even said as I was doubting that I reserved the right to flip flop, and this is me officially flip flopping. Like well, I'm back. And I also I love King Carroll. And I also feel like too. And this is not meant to to editorialize what happened with the coaching change, but there was a lot of time you saw that was stagnant play, and a lot of times that he would be doing work that would be unrequited work. Like he'd True. be making runs that weren't met by service or making. You know, plays happen that mm-hmm. uh, weren't met by service. Or and dropping deep for a striker. Or, or, yeah. or them being forced to have basically long service from Kalina or Fuchs or Lindsay or Offal and him basically having to go 1v2 against two center backs. That's not the way that this offense is built to run. It's built to run on numerical superiority. It's built to run on 1v1s. And I'll take Carol Svidersky 1v1 against the center back any day. But the problem is... They hadn't gotten him in a lot of those situations of late. It's not been until at least the last two or three weeks that we've seen him actually get that kind of service. And as a result, you know, you're not going to hit every chance. It's not. It's impossible to do. Even the best don't do it. But I do feel like we've seen a step forward from him over the last two contests. And somebody asked me this morning, they said, hey, you know, does this mean we're going to see a flurry of goals come right now? I'm not necessarily sure. But what I think you will see is you'll see a more daring Carol Svidersky. You'll see a more confident Carol Svidersky. And more importantly, you'll see somebody who players have to flock to, mm-hmm. and that might open something up for somebody else. 
What I want to see is him trust his teammates, which I think becomes easier once he starts seeing so much higher quality crosses coming in from Reyna. You know, Reyna's a guy who's just an MLS veteran who I, I'm a little worried that he's just like running hot because he's a, he's an up and down type well, of player. But guy, we'll play him while he's they, running they, hot. They, uh, the fans weren't exactly his his best fan when he was in no, DC. No, I was and, not at all. Yeah, and he was not somebody who uh, people didn't want to see at all. Like after the yeah. first couple of games, I've and hated I, him since he was in Vancouver. And, and I <laughs> and I said, guys, you know, it was a situation where I think he was miscast at the beginning of this season. I don't think he was put in the best position, or at least a position that, that suited him best. Mm -hmm. and, and now I feel like, as a winger, he's able to provide a lot more as opposed to being a second striker. A winger with a mission. A winger who just, like, go in there and get the ball to Swiderski in creative ways, and he's showing the ability to do that. We like we love our Game of Thrones references here. We're, we've been looking for someone to become the Hand of the King. You right. Know, like, because K King Carol, so who's the Hand of the King? Right now, Rain is the leader in the clubhouse, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I want to talk one more thing. I just love, we don't usually deep dive this hard into the game on the show. A lot of times we just talk about the, the stuff around the game and around the team. And, but this but, was a big game. But this was so great. I just love going into all of this. Yeah. And so let's just talk about the defense now. We've talked about the midfield and the attack. How about the defense? Fuchs setting the tone, making team of the week. Walks playing great again. Affle, maybe one of his worst games. Does he stay? We'll see. What do you think? Well, I think Harrison is somebody who, and I know a lot of people are calling for Jalen Lindsay. The thing about Jalen is that his work going forward, his work rate going forward, is what I feel like got him dropped from the squad by both Latanzio and by Miguel Angel Ramirez. Harrison offers you more going forward, but you lose a little bit on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like it's a situation where you're kind of having to feel like what exactly is your is your mission here, you know, on a given match. And, and if you want to be more defensive, you play Jalen. If you want to be more offensive, you play Harrison. Totally agree. And that's part of the reason why I do feel like, and, and Soran Credetta has, has made this very clear, is that one of the spots that they're looking at to try and fill during this transfer window is possibly a right back who can do it all. And, and yeah. it's, it's not a, a slight to either of those two guys. It's just... They, they can't get the full package out of either right now. So they're, they're kind of handicapped in that respect. But the other three positions along the along the defense are incredible. I mean, Fuchs making the MLS Team of the Week, that's that's no small task. He got the penalty goal, which I don't want anybody else up there as, mm -hmm. the, uh, as the penalty taker. In the moment, I wanted Carroll to take it because he had not scored his great header yet. And I, I felt like give your striker a chance to get off his long schneid with a PK. I still like the captain there. But uh, I, I can't fault the captain. I, I, I still like I the win. captain yeah. there. And, and, In the moment, I wanted Swarovski, but and yeah. I, and I feel like anybody would have had to try to fight Christian. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. They, they left no doubt that's, he was taking it. Yeah, not, it wasn't a question. That's so, not a yeah. fight, not a yeah. fight <laughs> I want to be <laughs> in with yeah. Christian Fuchs. No, team dad, as we call the, him the, here the, on the, the show. The 36-year-old Austrian is not... He got the big piece of chicken on that one, for sure. He's not giving up that one. He got the whole bucket, honestly. Yeah, for sure. So... But, but the thing that I think has really been the, the tone setter over the last couple of weeks is just Anton Walks. And, and, and I know we mm -hmm. hammer it. Uh, Jess and I have been a favorite of his, uh, or at least we, or he's been a favorite of ours, I should say, uh, going back to his time in Atlanta. And, you know, Jess loves him, obviously, because yeah. they're, they're country men and right. women. So it's, Britain and Atlanta. She's, like, locked in. She yeah, can't help but love Walks. It's, it's very much a thing with, uh, with her, and, and I love Anton going back to his days there. And... And I'm becoming a bigger fan every week. I'll say this. I found it very, very weird. Found it very, very weird that a man who started a career high in games for a very quality side last year 
got as little action as he did, and we don't know why, but uh, I love that he has taken a larger spot in this side. He can play either side of the center back. He is able to go forward as well and join the rush. Uh, he should have gotten an assist on Carujo's goal earlier in the season, but mm-hmm. he did not for whatever reason. Uh, he got robbed in that one, in my opinion. But I do feel like he's somebody who has really solidified things. It's allowed Christian to play his more natural position left back. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like while playing that position, the work rate is a lot less. And when they've subbed in Joseph Mora to play as a back five, that has allowed Christian to settle back and play center back. So he's not right. having to play a full 90 minutes at left back. And so that offers it, the team options. If you are a Charlotte FC fan, there's nothing you should love more than seeing Joseph Mora sub in in the 80th minute. Because <laughs> that means you're winning. Yes. And it's just, you he's just got to hold on to the lead. He's putting the five yeah. fingers up yeah. and say, guys, yeah, exactly. we've got three center backs. Yeah. We're going to a back yep. five. 100%. 100%. That is a very good sign when it happens. So Joseph Moore is like bringing in, you know, CMC with a two-touchdown lead yeah. and saying, hey, guys, yeah. we're running the football. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I agree. Fuchs wants to play left back. He, he, he can do center back, but you can just see in his eyes he sees himself as a left back. That's what he's played in the glory days of and you career. And you lose he that service. That yeah. You lose that service from Right. Him. And that's the thing. That's the one last thing I want to touch on in terms of this game showed such great examples of it, and it's something that's been a theme under Latanzio is just the more willingness to take risk, risks with long diagonal balls that was just sort of like taboo under the previous regime and now has just led to so much more freedom. And you well, see us pinging balls side to side and across and across. And Fuchs is looking up the field. That's a good thing well, for us. Well, I think to say that, but we always think it gets you a girl who can do both. And yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, they had yeah. a goal started by long diagonal service and they had another with Carol Svidersky that was a 23 pass buildup which is the largest right. pass buildup in the league this season so I think it, it just it comes down I think we used, we used the word earlier it's variety it's a team that can beat yep. you now in multiple ways with multiple players and I think that's the, the main takeaway is that this side is winning in a variety of ways it's not just one player it's not just one set of service it's not just one set of circumstances it's a team that's clicking on all cylinders right now, and it's in a part of the schedule where they should be able to get some great snowball momentum rolling down the hill. Yeah, and we're about, let's get into that because uh, this team, the variety is just something so special to watch. You don't want to be a one-man team like Nashville with Hanny Mukhtar because you end up looking like Nashville did on Saturday night, which was pretty bad. So the variety that we've been able to sort of throw at people is just such a fun thing to watch as a supporter. What do you think... We got Miami. We're going on the road again. Same 11. Don't change a winning side. Christian Latanzio, Michael Scott. What do you think? You know, it's, yeah. I, I, uh, again, we'll have to wait on the Carujo update this week, so they might be a change. Assume, assume Carujo's in. Do you not? Do you go the exact same 11? I think you go the same same 11. Okay. I do at least want to give you credit keep to Apple. I do want to keep. I want to give credit to McCoon real quick too, because McCoon had to do a very difficult job coming in. Sure. Uh, and you never want to change your center backs if you don't want to right. in a game of that nature. Agreed. So I, I, I want to give McCoon his, his fair due, too. He looked better than I think a lot of people would have expected because he's somebody who's been vilified as well over his play over the course of the I season. love McCoon. He sometimes makes me nervous. Saturday night he didn't make me nervous, he so did. I was proud. Yeah, I, st- I still like Harrison in that role. I know it's I know a lot of people don't want to see him back there, but I still I still think he, I, he, 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 he I don't think he's earned a drop yet. 
here's my take, and I don't think he's going to drop, although he did concede a penalty. But I will say that Harrison, if he was three years younger, we would be, he would be like one of the best still. Right, he was one of. The, I'm a huge MLS fan for five six years. Right, not the longest of, of streaks, but I've been very into the league, and I know how good Harrison Apple and you, is. And you saw the love of that that the Columbus fans had. Yeah, for him exactly, well. they, and it was well deserved. And I like I was telling people next to me like Harrison. There was one point in the first half, first half where Harrison kind of brought it up to like by the thirty yard line. I was like. Yeah, he's shooting this, and he brought it, you know, ten yards forward and shot. And I was like, "Yeah, I know this guy. He's a great player. He's just a little bit too into the decline of his career, in my opinion, to like add as much defensively." So, in my view, I would try to develop Lindsey's offensive game because he is so good defensively. I wouldn't give up on Jalen's ability to become a better offensive player. I'm not saying it's not but, there. I'm not saying it's not there, or, or it can't be there. I just feel like they like what awful can bring. With the pinching in, with the going forward, I, I just don't know if you get that same confidence from Jalen. And, and the last thing they want to feel like is uh, confined to one side or confined to one way of doing things. Clearly not. That speaks to exactly what you were just saying in terms of variety being one of the and, best and, features of the team. And I think, too, you know, they feel confident with Carrillo on that side. I think maybe it's a situation where if Carrillo's not in, they play Lindsay because... They, Ooh, yeah, yeah. They, That's next level analysis right they, there. They yeah. might have to do something of that nature. Uh-huh. Whereas if, not that they're not confident about walks, but you want to be as solid across right. that four as possible. I would almost guess, would you get, I mean, it's too early to speculate because we don't have availability, but it's it's an interesting, intriguing question of, like, do you go walks, McCoon, Fuchs, or do you go walks, Fuchs, Mora? It's, it's just interesting on the, you know, it's for the two center backs and left back. What well, we'd have to see. It's, it's probably too early to speculate. Very much so. But... Uh, regardless, I just want to ask you to speculate about something else. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got five winnable matches. Five matches against teams that are below us in the table before we then have to head out to L.A. on a very tough, tough assignment. So, so let's, let's look let's ahead at the next five. Let's keep that one away for right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not talking about LAFC. I want to talk about five teams that we should expect to be able to beat. I know it's tough to win on the road in MLS, even against Miami, who I don't think is very good. We made them look pretty bad when they came here. And there'll be a, there'll be a different side. They will, for sure. Because they were very much against it in that first contest with, with numbers. Right, and they've looked better, and they've got guys that are doing things. Campania has impressed me in recent weeks. I'm, I'm not saying Miami's a pushover, but I do think the next five are winnable. I'm gonna. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be super optimistic. I'm going to be somewhat crazy. I'm not going to predict individual results, but I'm going to say we get 13 points. I'm saying Oof. we go four wins and a draw, no losses over the next five. That's crazy. Will you, will you come with me? Will you climb this mountaintop with me? I don't like looking past one game. I don't like looking past one whatever, game in front play, of me. Whatever. You're not a player or a coach. You're media. Come <laughs> it's, on now. It's, it's, it's very... You've been, <laughs> you've been brainwashed by, by, the, by spending too much time around coaches. I, I will say this. It's very easy to look at this next stretch of games and feel like this is where the run comes in. And, you know, I think you started it with the Houston contest, honestly. Yeah, like, 100%. Like, and it, it was like, like, this was the stretch that you needed to pull a run together in to get you in solidified playoff territory. And, and as a result, they've got the first two legs of that down. I feel like it's imperative to not drop points over the next five. As long as they don't drop points over the next five, I think they'll be in very good shape going into the LA game. That's All what right. I'll say. I think I, I feel confident that they won't drop points in any of these next five matches, as long as assuming health and things of that nature. Yeah, obviously. We can't. Who knows what'll happen? I mean, God forbid. You know. 
<laughs> I won't even I won't even speak into existence some of the horrible things that could happen, but I will say Please don't. Yeah, okay. So uh, I won't say anything then. Let's ask one more question before we get into I want to learn a little bit more about you since you've been so gracious with your time and your analysis. Sure. I just, you know, hopefully view, uh, listeners will get a chance to learn a little more about you. I have one more question, which is on a lot of people's minds, I think, right now, which is summer signing. Yes. Do you know anything more than I do as a super fan, and <laughs> you are actually someone who has a much closer connection to the team? Give me some hope. Give me some rumor. Give me something to chew on. Give me something to think about as I'm trying to fall asleep tonight. Tell me who we're bringing in. The I on the right back that you mentioned earlier. I, I, I have. I don't have a name for you, but I, I, I do. I, I think what's happened over the last couple of weeks with with McNeil and and Ruiz has maybe softened the desire for an attacking midfielder. I do know they want whoever they bring in to be somebody who is younger, who they can develop. They, they don't want uh, just a quick fix signing. They want you know somebody who probably can be a young DP uh, so they can maybe buy down another DP and, and put Jordi Alcivar into that role or something along those lines. But I, I do feel like it's something that could possibly be in the right back uh, or attacking midfielder. I think those are the two positions they're looking at. I wish I had another rumor. And, and believe me, I... I I've been trying to, to rack Zoran uh, whenever I see him at the stadium or whenever I see him at training and be like, hey, you know, what, what's going on? But uh, I, I do feel like they will get something done because they do have an open roster spot. They did get uh, some GAM back from uh, the trade that they made over the last week. They had two international slots. They gave one up because they only have one roster spot to speak of. So it doesn't make sense having two international roster spots. But we have an open DP slot. They do. So it's, it could be something where they do something like that. It, it, the one thing I will say is whatever is done will have a long-term focus in mind, not just a short-term focus. All right. If we don't sign a superstar, it's not good enough, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. If you look at uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm just going to continue to cite anyone who listens to this show knows. I will continue to cite the example of Austin FC, who was one of the wor- – way worse than Charlotte as an expansion team last year. I mean, they were – they were struggling every single week, and their coach was completely lost and should have been fired, but he just had the loyalty of the owner. Regardless, what they did was in the summer window, they went out and got Sebastian Driussi, one of the best players available on the market, Argentinian superstar who had been to Russia and had a bad experience. They, they had the scouting to go bring someone like that who's a superstar, who's now came in, learned their system. They had slightly better results over the second half, still finished near the bottom. And then now, all of a sudden, Driussi is leading the best team in the West. I think they're better than LAFC personally, and he's an MVP candidate. And Charlotte needs to go find our Driussi this summer. We need to go get him. That's what I, I think. I, I don't disagree. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's not their philosophy, but I do feel like they want to be very careful. And, and I think that's one of the other things too that you know people were so concerned about the way the roster looked at the beginning of the season. I'm more curious about what the moves that are going to be made over the offseason and, and, and what, what's done from year one to year two. I'm not saying that this year isn't house money and you're not trying to win right away, and I think they are. I think there's a lot more belief in the players that are here. I think the last thing that this group wants to do is make a move that gives off the air that they're not believers of the 11 that they put out on a night-in, night-out basis. So I do feel yeah, like... You, you get fired for that. I think... I'm not saying... I'm not saying Again, I, I'm not saying that they don't need uh, different things to try and improve on. We've mentioned the two needs. That I think those are two very pointed needs, and they're needs that have been spoken out vocally by the, the sporting staff. But I do feel like whatever move is made, it will be a calculated one, and it will be one that's not necessarily just for the future, but one that has the future in mind. 
and and it could mean that it is a, a DP level type signing that is a future minded signing. All right, fair enough. I want to get into your background, so we're, we're running a little short on time. So I will just say I think Shinyashiki should start over Camille in the next game. We've, I I teased that we were going to mention that, and I forgot to get into it. It's all agree, good. disagree. I think Camille and, and Carol will still be on the field together. All right, we'll see. All right, so Will. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been doing an awesome job. I mentioned Crown Corner earlier, which is a great weekly show that fans of this club need to be digesting constantly. But the games themselves, you've been doing an awesome job. Whenever we're on the road and we're playing on either national TV or I have to watch the stream on ESPN+, Plus, I always tune into WFNZ. I have one thing that I wish I could pause the app so I could sync up the sound, but I would still rather listen to you guys about five to ten seconds ahead, and it's pretty nice. You guys are great. Thank What's you. it been like calling this team this expansion year? So much fun. Um, I want to shout out just, you know, our team is, is fantastic with Jessica Trauman, who's absolutely fantastic. She is she, she is the GOAT. She's the MVP. Hmm. Uh, she's the one who I lean on for a lot of just the analysis, the smarts of the game. No, no one in this city knows the game like Jessica Trauman. I'll say that. I'll put her knowledge up against anybody who covers this team on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, Matt Hogan, our producer, is he, he's the boss, basically. Once uh, once the clock hits 6.30 or 7 or 7.30, whenever the game uh, starts or our game broadcast starts, and he, he does a very good job of keeping us I, on time. I like an on-air talent that can listen to their producer. That's very, very clutch you know, he, he, in, uh, in my professional life. He, he, keeps, he keeps the reads organized, makes sure that we get the IDs in time, and uh, and if, if you know, Blank hits the fan, you know, he's... He's always the one who's trying to fix it and gets it done pretty expediently. So uh, those two have been absolutely great. Uh, I don't know what I bring to the table other than I just talk a lot. So I, I feel like I've done a good enough job to uh, to fake it until I make it, so to speak. Crab cakes and soccer, baby. Come on. You've already, <laughs> you've already got some of the most legendary calls in this club's history, and you, you got to feel good about that. I'll brag on the, you a little the, bit. The, the, the hardest part about that was that Ben didn't know the movie, and I, was, I felt very <laughs> bad about that. I had to explain to him that that was wedding crashers yeah yeah, yeah. that was that was the only one that i really kind of telegraphed i I know that people thought that bella partita latanzio was telegraphed that was that was very much in the moment it was very much in the moment but but yeah crack case soccer i felt a little guilty about that one but you know i it's because i I felt like it needed it because of the way that that goal was scored i wasn't going to do it just for any goal it was it had to be the way that he scored that one. of course yeah it was, you know, an over-the-head volley type that. I mean, it was, that me? was that was crazy. We've been lucky to see some some beautiful goals from this club and, for and, sure. And the yeah. kicking of the the, the corner flag. Uh, that's yeah. if if Carol Svidersky getting up on the throne is the best celebration. The second best is the kicking of the corner flag. Yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely love that. I like the the uh, the flying karate kick version. He's kicked a True. few corner flags. Uh, Bender, in fact, I meant to shout this out when we were talking Bender earlier. Leader on the team in goals plus assists, you know, sure. for all his, whether starting or sub, he's actually absolutely killing it. We love Bender. So, how did you get here? How did you get uh, this job? What brought you to Charlotte? I know your background comes from Missouri. We were talking a little bit before the show. Anyone uh, in broadcasting will tell you that Mizzou has the. Uh, Self-professed best journalism school in the nation. <laughs> it's the they oldest. To, I'll say that <laughs> they love to talk about it. You, they, they is it still the NBC affiliate in Como? Is yes. the school station? Yes, I mean, yes. if you're a young audience member and you want to go in broadcasting, I would highly recommend Mizzou. Even though I like to make fun of it, <laughs> great place to go. Tell us your journey. So uh, I got to Charlotte about 
a year and a half ago uh, in January, uh, I was poached actually by uh, what was the sister station of our station here Love in Atlanta. Love when uh, they come get you. 92.9 The Game. Uh, the guy who was our program director in Atlanta ended up getting that same job up here. So uh, he decided to, uh, to bring me alongside and... Uh, uh, it's been a great move. It's been a great journey. You know, I didn't know that soccer was going to be a part of it when I took the initial gig with FNZ. It was just kind of, you know, one of those things they were talking about possibly getting, and they knew I had a soccer background of just being a fan. And, and I think that's the part of it that is so unique about this gig because I've done play-by-play -play and other things in football, basketball, baseball, but you know, soccer. I came by it honestly. I'm, I'm a fan, mm -hmm. and and I think it's important. When I when I do games, like I do them from the perspective of, of being a fan. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I I can sound like I'm this you know highfalutin journalist type person, but you know I'm 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 a hooligan just like you guys. I Good. I, I I'm a beer drinking, beer swilling. You know, some of my best moments. Cheers. I'll drink to some, that. Some of my some of my best moments uh, with this game are in bars, watching guys like I, when I moved to Houston after my gig at Mizzou. One of the first things I did was join the American Outlaws during the 2014 World Cup uh, in Brazil. And I stood alongside a bunch of them, and I think Johnny Manziel was there too, uh, watching, watching <laughs> the U.S. men's national wow. team. Johnny football. Yes, and that was, that was back in the day when, uh, when Johnny was, uh, I think it was right after he got drafted by the Browns. And, yeah, oh yeah. And uh, there's a funny story that uh, is involved with that because we were trying to take pictures of him, and he, uh, he and his people didn't take too kindly to it. So I thought that that's another story for another day. But well, you know, Johnny in pictures has been, been a problem in the past. Been a, been a bit of an issue. But... Um, it, 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 like I did that right away. I had season tickets to the Dynamo when I was down in Houston. Wow! And wow! And that was just you know. That's I got, commitment. I got to know uh, Glenn Davis down there, who does their oh, TV. The the theater of the imagination. I love Glenn. One of my favorite voices in the game. He he and I were very very close. We talked before. Tremendous. Uh, That's great to hear. Talked before the uh, the Houston match this year, and we had like at least a half hour, forty five minute conversation about everything, not just uh, the season. But I worked with Glenn when that. I worked at Longhorn Network. So yes. yeah, I love Glenn. He's great. He, he's Mr. Soccer. We call him down there. Yeah. Houston, he's he's fantastic. Plus a local radio show, yeah. And, Soccer and, matters. And, and that's the thing. That's also like that was the first place that I went and found that soccer can succeed on a big market level radio station. And so when I moved to South Carolina, I remember when the Charlotte FC announcement happened, and I thought, man, that'd be really really cool to be a part of. But then I moved to Atlanta, yeah, and got entrenched with 99 the game. And one of the things that my boss said. At the time, he said, do you like soccer? And I said, yeah, I love soccer. And he says, well, if you love soccer, it would do you very well to get proficient about Atlanta United because some of our hosts are, but a lot of those guys are full-time guys, and I was a part-time guy at the time. And you could really differentiate yourself as a part-time guy into a bigger role if you became conversant about Atlanta United. So was this before or after they won the title? It was after. It was the year okay. after they won the title. So it was sure. in 2019. Right. Uh, and so That's crazy that people still weren't already educating themselves. I'm, well, I'm think, surprised that space was still open, but I'm glad you got to fill but it. I, but I think, again, it was you had a lot of you know guys who were more traditional, older guys. Yeah. And, and again, I think they all they all love it and they all understand it and they all see it, but you know, we had a boss who had a vision that, that you could really serve a potential part of the population that um, really didn't know about sports talk radio and 
it was it was a it was an underserved part of the yeah. of the sporting community there in Atlanta. And imagine and, having and, opinions about soccer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was the weirdest yeah. thing. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's like he's like we do long form yeah. segments in Atlanta on soccer with our full time guys, and we yeah. don't really have that a lot from our part time guys. And so, so the full time guys had it down, but it was it was the guys who did weekend shows that really weren't there yet. And so. I got in, you know, very tightly with the two guys who did radio down there, Mike Conti, Jason Longshore, and you know, I got, I got the Reader's Digest on them, watched a couple of games, and really got the lay of the land, and to the point where I kind of became almost like the, you know, the third man, not necessarily on their broadcast, but just kind of somebody who was called upon to talk about them every once in a while, and. You know, I leaned on their expertise, and then when I when I came up here, you know, when when it found out or when we found out that we were getting the gig, you know, our boss came to us and it's like, hey, you know, I want to reward you because you were somebody who we we really leaned on in Atlanta to, to do this, and would you have an interest in doing this? And I said, absolutely, it'd be great. And then he's like, we want to get you know, we want to get somebody who could be alongside you, who's a great person. And I knew of Jess. Because uh, he brought her up, and, and I knew of Jess because she was in the soccer community down in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and you know I knew of her name. And, and he's like, "How comfortable would you be working with Jessica Trauma?" And I said, "That'd be incredible. Yeah, yeah. that'd be incredible. Exactly. Like, Hope I, she's comfortable working with me." Yeah, I was, yeah. I was about to say you might have to convince her more <laughs> yeah, than you would yeah. uh, convince me because I, I knew of her work, and, and she had a reputation that preceded herself uh, in the soccer community down there, not just uh, playing but also calling games and. Uh, it's been an amazing relationship between the two of us. We talk every day, multiple times a day, uh, not just about soccer, but about life. She's got a beautiful family, um, and she's met my fiance. So it's it's it, we've we've become an even bigger family with the three of us. And uh, I, I couldn't imagine working with anybody else because you know we we all make each other better. Like they make me sound a lot better than I probably deserve. <laughs> Uh, hey. and, and Matt makes us sound amazing, and, and I hope I at least add a little something to what she brings to the table as well. Shout out to the producers out there. That's what I, that's my gig in, in my day job, and uh, this show thrives on very loose, like low-level production. We don't really <laughs> approach it from a professional standpoint as, as many times. Uh, very much a fan cast, but that, that's an awesome story to hear, and uh, it, it's, it's great. Like, you and Jess, I would say that your friendship, your genuine chemistry and relationship like shines through on the listen for sure like I can tell you guys are definitely like teeing each other up you know yes. you're like like you're saying something to lead to her and she's leading it back to you and it's great to see from a well, broadcasting well, perspective well, I think one of the hardest things that um, when you're doing it like like because obviously you start by doing this you start doing it like in a, in a tape recorder or like mm-hmm. you, you start doing a game like live or you do it off a monitor and and you don't have the atmosphere there, and it's hard to kind of pick your spots when you're when you see action that's in a non-dangerous area. And so, I think the thing that that was always the the, the next level where we got to that next level is when you know, yeah, there's action happening in the neutral third, but it's in a non-dangerous area, and it allows us to have a little back and forth, a little banter. And, and I think that that just brings a little bit more flavor to it than just you know saying you know oh, Ruiz pigs it back to to off yeah, and they're, yeah. you know they're 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 pitching it back and forth in the neutral third and it's you know it, it it's one thing you know and I know that sometimes when you're on the radio you can be kind of frustrated with you know well where's the ball where's that we're never going to talk over you know a point when the ball is in the last third we're never going to be able to you know we're never going to get you away from action where there needs to be action called but I do feel like it is 
important to have that color in a match, and, mm -hmm. and that's where I lean on her because you know I, I always say that I'm the the who and the what, and she's the how and the why and the where. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's very very important to give her as much credit as possible because without her, the broadcast is nothing. And, yeah. And, and, and I mean. Well, same we, for you. I mean, yeah. she, I'm sure she would say the same if she was sitting here right now. I'm sure you guys uh, make make a very good team. So, and I, I think that's great. You can't really there, there's not as much space to just sort of lay out and be silent in a radio cast. No, uh, no. Uh, as there is with uh, a TV cast. Sometimes you're watching on a game on TV, and you the announcer will just say, uh, you know, Ruiz, Bronico, Corujo, Reina. You know, they'll just name the players that are passing it back and forth. But on radio, you can't do that. You got to paint no. the pictures. So. No. And I think viewer, I think listeners hopefully are trusting you guys enough to know that when you're not talking directly about the action, when you are sort of giving that colorful aspect, they know that they're not missing anything. Right. So that's great. It's basically it's it's very well said. And like I said, I I, I hope we're putting a product out there that um, that folks enjoy. I know we work a, a tremendous amount to try and make that happen. Um, there's lost sleep at times because, you know, we, we worry about things like rain delays and stuff like that. And we were worried about it last week. And, and thank the good Lord it wasn't bad, yeah. uh, as bad as we thought it could be. But uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, we're, just so, we're just so honored and thrilled to be a part of the team. It was only bad if you wanted to get into the stadium in completely sunny skies 45 minutes after the, the last raindrops had fallen. <laughs> but regardless about that. Tell us one thing if you can, if you can get away with it. I don't want to put you on too much of a hot seat here, but either blow our minds or something that would make her laugh or maybe you shouldn't. Maybe something you shouldn't say about <laughs> Jess Talks Footy, your, your partner in crime there in the booth, that will just, fans that love to listen to your cast, can teach us something about her that will, we don't know. I will say you can see the kind of player that she was by the kind of broadcaster that she is. <laughs> I like, like that. Like the same tenacity that she brought as a goalkeeper I feel like is what she brings as a broadcaster like she she's fierce she's a fierce one and, and I think you need that in in somebody who's a goalkeeper like I, I see a lot of those Kalina like tendencies uh, when I think about Jessica Trauman because wow. she has that she just has that she calls it craziness. I, yeah. I think it's craziness a little yeah. bit of time. Oh, took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say, we all know goalkeepers are absolutely insane. So there, there you go. Yeah. So I, I, it, it doesn't shock me to know that she uh, she wasn't afraid to have a, a ball pinged at her head and stuff like that. And, and you know, she actually, and we made reference to this in the broadcast, she actually cut her thigh celebrating the, th the Shinichiki goal. <laughs> she, she like I heard that. She, like, bled. It was war it was so bad. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about how that happened. I mean, she, so we have, like, a little ledge. It's kind of like where, like, if, I know we can't, you're not seeing this, uh, listening to it on the podcast, but, like, a little, like, you know, uh, table that I think comes up to, you know, waist level Jam. that has all of our stuff on it. And so she jumped up and tripped the underside of the ledge and, uh, and drew blood on her thigh. And I was like... I was like, "You okay? <laughs> you're bleeding." I was like, "Jess, you're bleeding. What's going on?" She's like, "I." She's like, "I literally bleed for the crown." <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. And, I'm like, and I, yeah. our boss even said to us, "He said my team literally gives blood, sweat, and tears." Yeah, so, that, that's that's a memory I'm sure you'll have at the end of the season. That, that's crazy. That, that, that's one for the memory bank, and, and I think it just adds to the lore of what of what Saturday night was for yeah. for the crown and for us. What a night! I, I, it was so important to me. You know, uh, with John out of town, I needed to make sure that whoever we brought in to, to sit in here, and I thank you so much for doing it, 
it needed to be someone who was in the stadium at the game. Sure. You know? and, and you were, were the most important, one of the best people we could have got to do that, <laughs> have been able to call it. And it just was such a great night. And just the way that we had sort of control, we had possession, we had the lead, we had a setback where we had to worry for a second, and then we poured it on at the end. And, and just, I, I was t- talking to some people earlier here at the bar before you showed up, and uh, uh, they, I, I mentioned how, like, we were winning, so we were already in very festive spirits, and then, right. you know, it's towards the end of the game, and then a goal goes in, and it's like, yeah, huge party, we're going nuts. And then another goal goes in, and it's like, yeah, and it just, like, took everything to, like, a level and a level and a level higher, and just, like, when you talk about levels in life, it was just such a night. And there's like been it, some amazing nights at Bank of America, I'll say for sure, which we're trying, I, can I, if I can get you to call it the keep, I, I will be, <laughs> it will be amazing, because... Banks foreclose on people, and like the keep is something you defend. So you know, this is my personal opinion, but I like to call it the keep, not the bank. But what can I say? But uh, one of the greatest nights of the keep that I that I w- could have imagined. I feel really bad for John, who's having a, a lifetime experience out of the British Open in Scotland. But like, he missed a night here right. uh, in Charlotte on Saturday. I will say, um, a lot of people who I talk to, you know, who go to games there for the first time, they're shocked by it. Uh, if they're not soccer fans. If they are soccer fans, they know it. They, they know the, the atmosphere. They know the rules of engagement. But I keep talking to people. Whenever I wear my, you know, my Charlotte FC stuff around town, I'm getting more people who say, oh, is there a game tonight? Or is this, oh, I have to get out there. I, 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 I always get the same feeling from some people who they'll say, I need to go see what that's all about. And, and yeah. that's, that's one of the phrases that kind of rings true with me. And I think more and more people are doing that. And... I, had, I think Chris McLean, our, our morning show host on FNZ, said it this morning. He said, it's the most berserk I've felt that place has been ever. Yeah. And not just in years, ever. And it's, it's become the biggest recurring party in the Southeast right now. And I'm, I'm so happy to see that it's taken that kind of, that kind of uh, hold on the city. But I don't think we have to question our loyalty. We need, we need more. We need more people out there. We need, we need to burst Bank of America Stadium at the seams. And while we talk as much about how great the night was on Saturday, it, it can't be an isolated event. We need, right. we need more. We've got seven home games wow. left. We need we need more. I, I will not sit here and go quietly into the night. <laughs> I want more. You just challenged me because I was about to rest on my laurel. I was about to say, wow, I will remember that Nashville game as like one of the highlights of the season. But now, after what you just said, I, spun it I just I want more. 48-hour rule. I'm done. Let's yeah. go. We're on All to right. Miami. All right, let's go. We're on to Miami. We got, uh, who is it, Columbus coming in, I think, in a couple weeks. 30th. And, and, so. and also, not to be outdone, the Chelsea game, a week from Wednesday. Right. Yeah, well. And that's going to be a lot, but we're going to have a chance to call that game. So, I'll be listening. So that's um, we're very happy about that part. Um, thanks again to the club for, for letting us do that. People um, can rate whether I'm too loyal to Arsenal or not to have bypassed such an awesome experience to see my club play against a Premier League club. I, but I was just never interested in, the, in tickets to that game for whatever reason because right. I hate Chelsea. So even though I know it's going to be an awesome experience, I'll be happy to listen to you guys call that one on the radio. I think sure. it, it'll be it'll be really cool for us. Jess oh, is no really doubt. excited about it because. Obviously, it's a British club, so it, it allows her an opportunity to see, you know, a club that she's followed since birth. Uh, obviously, I've I followed the sport for as long as you know. So, I mean, it's 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 something that's really, really, really cool for the both of us to do. And, and we won't be as much focused on the result, but right. I think the spectacle of the evening will be, will be very yeah. much a thing that uh, we, we focus on. Hell yeah. Well, all right. Well, we've taken way too much of your time, so I appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. I want to tell people, follow the show at For the Crown, baby. 
You can follow me at Danny Brams, although I have way too many followers already. You can follow <laughs> at John Hayes on air if you want to see pics from Scotland at the British Open this weekend. He pays homage to Scotland. Yeah, exactly. And where can they can follow you at? Willie P Style. Willie P Style. I, I understand going with that. I actually, because, as, as an Arsenal fan, because we had Wojciech Szczesny on the team, I actually can spell your last name, no problem. That's but good. I, That's I good. think it's smart to leave it, leave it out of the handle just for, for user-friendliness. It's hard, uh, it's hard with the work email, too, because uh, people will, will spell it wrong all the time and, and not get it out, so, unfortunately. And well, Will, you've been an awesome guest, and I appreciate you coming on, and I will hope that you uh, send us out, if you don't mind, bust the catchphrase. For the crown, baby.